Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Master Nun, and today we are going to be getting into the Gilgo Beach serial killers and the defendant they've brought in named Rex Herman and his story. So let's get into it. It's coming in a major development in the case of the Long Island serial killer here in New York. Police taking a person into custody just moments ago, and Aaron Katursky is already here tracking the latest. Good morning, Aaron. Juju, good morning to you. That person was taken into custody and placed under arrest in connection with this series of killings that terrified Long Island and raised fears of a serial killer on the loose. The first body was discovered back in 2010 in a wooded area by the beach. The bodies of seven more women, along with the bodies of a man and a toddler, were discovered in subsequent months. Early this morning, police converged on a home in Massapequa Park on Long Island's South Shore. Multiple law enforcement sources told ABC News the arrest is connected to the killings. When I tell you there is a lot of layers to this case, I can even, you know, looking into it and doing the research, it was really interesting to try to peel back everything about this story going back to 2010. So really, if you're going to look at this, we first have to understand where these killings took place, which is in Long Island on the Gilgo Beach. I'm going to go ahead and play an audio clip that kind of goes back to the original app press interview or the press briefing, if you will, from... Uh, 2010 when they first started finding bodies on this beach. Former Suffolk County Police Commissioner Richard Dormer was stunned to have found the remains of four young women on an isolated stretch of Long Island's Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach. It looks like a car pulled up and opened the door and the bodies were dumped into uh, the bushes. Eventually, police would find 10 sets of remains in the area. Maureen and three others were found first and dubbed the Gilgo Four. So as we look into this case, it's really important to understand that this is kind of where the Gilgo Four are first found. Now, whenever we look at all these different um, victims, there's a lot of different similarities. And the similarities start have to first with their work. So if we look at it, the majority of them were sex workers working on Craigslist. You know, they had families. They were trying to, you know, feed for their families. A lot of them were just in really bad, dire straits. Um, and they had physical, the same physical attributes. They were under five feet tall. They were found out here, and they were found in this burlap. Now, this burlap's been talked about for the last decade, and what's really important to understand about it is it's not burlap like a burlap bag in what you're thinking. It's like a burlap that is kind of like camouflage, and, like, and it allows more breathing for decay to take place, but also to hide um, the bodies from this this area that is really remote on Gilgo Beach. You know, a lot of bodies were were stored there, and it's looking like you know ten or more. Now, when we're looking at the case today, what happened is they found the suspect or a suspect who they feel is the individual who is responsible for these murders. And looking into the case, I can tell you it is a very complex case of using multiple search warrants and in court systems to really determine who is the killer. Now, whenever we look at this story, I'm going to go ahead and play a video for you of who they think the suspected killer is, just so you can get that first impression of him, like all people would get when they first met him. 
Mind you, this is an interview taken from the Bonjour Realtor YouTube site. So I just wanted to clip the initial clip where the individual was telling who they are and a little bit about themselves. So a little context, the intention of this interview is to talk about um, jobs in architecture. All right. I wasn't looking forward to doing this under a scaffold. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot understand. Okay, anyway, let's dive in. So uh, tell us, you know, who you are, uh, you know, where you're from and how long you've been in New York. Okay. Rex Hewerman, I'm an architect, I'm an architectural consultant, I'm a troubleshooter, born and raised on Long Island. Okay. Been right. working in Manhattan since 1987. Oh, wow. Very long time. Okay. So, uh, this brings... Uh... That's how the majority of the world knows Rex Hewerman. Now, what we have to understand about this man is if I give you his actual physical description, he is a very large man. So he sits about six foot four, he's 59 years old, and he probably weighs somewhere in between the 280 um, to 300, maybe plus weight class. I wouldn't describe him as muscular, but a very large build. He is an architect, he's an architect consultant, and whenever you get into aspects of his work, and I'm just kind of laying it out so you have a context, he, he really works as a consultant one of his niches is he works as a consultant for the city to help them better understand their architectural law and building zones, which is just just putting it out there so you can start painting a picture in your head. This individual is who the task force was created. So this, in about 2022, there was a task force created in order to look into the Gilgo Beach killings. It was really a big part of the DA and the, the new police commissioner to find this killer because this is probably one of the more prominent killers on the East Coast currently. And these serial killings or these killings had been plaguing Long Island for many, many years. Now, whenever we look at this case, this is a case where I can honestly say that the investigators put the full court press on how they were able to get to a point where they had enough warrants, search warrants, and um, essentially evidence. Now, this case has a lot to do with cell phones and burner phones. And this clip is really going to break down what the police were doing in order to kind of get a search warrant and narrow in on Rex as the actual, as the suspected um, some, some similarities, specifically uh, in the Massapequa Park area. And they looked at the, an area of a confluence of four cell towers. Uh, and they realized that this was, had uh, significance because uh, the, the uh, perp perpetrator of these crimes was probably located within this area uh, during, at or around the times of the murderer. Uh, and that was mapped out. That was called the box. And it was an area uh, in Massapequa Park. Uh, the FBI also managed to do that for an area in mid Midtown Manhattan, um, and so that was that was an investigative lead. The other uh, investigative lead at the time was even though there there was a significant amount of time that elapsed with regard to uh, before the the the, uh, the victims were recovered, there was some uh, some significant evidence recovered. So whenever we think about this from the case of evidence, what we have to understand is that there was originally a database, and within this database, it kind of tied Rex, Rex Humerman to this essentially 
being in a situation where he was paying for a sex worker to come into his home, and it was a part of a heist, so an individual would come in and take the money and strong-arm him and go from there. Now, there was some information that kind of created the information reported to the, to the police department that put together an image of Rex. Now, he's about six foot four, long hair, wearing glasses. Big build. Now, that fits Rex perfectly. So whenever they did the full court press, and I've read the deposition for, I've read the arrest warrant document, we're looking at a couple things here. Number one, you have the box. So you have, you have these cell phones that are actually burner phones, and they were purchased every time there was a killing. So what would happen is the individual from the burner phones would call the victims. And that's how they started to triangulate is like Rex or the individual with the burner phones is actually calling the victims. And I don't know what they're saying or hanging up. Next, you have actual hair on that burlap sack. So although it had been multiple years, what happened is that hair was actually saved. The Mydro colony um, DNA was actually able to be taken and extracted. Now, 10 years ago, they didn't have that capability. Now they do. The next part was then tying it to the timeline of his family. He has a wife and two kids, and what they're able to do is extract records from JetBlue that coincide with the date and time of these murders taking place. They then were able to triangulate the data of the burner phones as well as Rex Hermerman's phone, and they found that there was consistencies of them being in the same location. So as a result of looking at that, this is what allowed them to execute over 300 search warrants where they could accumulate the, the data from the phone, um, subpoena for JetBlue records, and put together a solid Sterling case. Now, what has happened within it is they were able to take, they were able to get an actual strain of that DNA because new science has been introduced. Now, they were actually following Rex Humerman around. They, they have proof of him buying burner phones. And what actually they were able to do, Rex Humerman has his own consulting architectural firm in in Manhattan and they were able to actually follow him and after he had lunch one time he threw away his pizza and his pizza crust actually had his DNA. Now what they did is they ran a cross check with the minor colony DNA that they received from that burlap sat where they had hairs on it with this pizza crust and they had a full match. So what that did was allow them to, to execute a search warrant. So whenever you're looking at this case, it is a multitude of data points and timelines in order to construct it and to provide a, a, the ability to where they could rule out this individual as the suspect. They do have prior data that they thought it was him. Now, they created this task force in, I think, February of 2022, and in six weeks, they were already starting to name Rex Humerman as the actual suspect. And they were able to put together a large case against him. Now, where the case gets even interesting, and if you're having kids listen, please be mindful of what I'm about to say. They looked into his Google research, and whenever they extracted a lot of the information that they still subpoenaed, and they're able to find fake Google accounts. And what they determined is that Rex was actually going and researching the victims, looking at their families, looking at their kids, trying to determine where they are. He was also looking at um, snuff porn, which was torturing and, and beating women, okay? And, and these were all little data points they were able to put together. Now, what's happened today is they pulled in Rex Huberman today, and he has pleaded not guilty to these, to these charges, which is what he's indicating. Now, within this case, there's so many data points, they're still constructing the actual case. 
the you know at the point in time in 2010 where he was meeting with this first sex worker that he was driving an avalanche and this avalanche was actually been now is believed to be in South Carolina and they warranted that and they're doing a DNA check. So there's a lot of moving parts to this case, but if you look at all the information they have from the burner phones to the DNA to the locations to the Google searches, it's really looking like Rex Hermanman is the actual Gilgo serial killer, which is insane. You know, his neighbors didn't even think he was the individual. They described him as a normal person. So whenever you hear about this case, what you're going to hear is the fact that it was pizza boxes and burner phones that nailed down this suspect. So whenever I first started doing research into this, I didn't, wasn't quite sure, but when I watched that first video of Rex Humerman being interviewed as an architect, you look at him and you think it's an individual who, who isn't capable of this. You know, he's talking about being able, to, being able to be consulted, to be the guy that the city of New York calls whenever they have no understanding of the building code. And whenever we look at this situation, it's, it's fairly complex. I mean, you have a lot of different things with burner phones. He was obviously doing Google research with fake accounts, but what happened is, is the, the task force was able to subpoena it. They were able to determine that he was actually doing research on the task force as related to burner phones. So the task force was able to identify this and they didn't release any media information to the media to determine what was going on. So the, the task force really did a phenomenal job looking over, listening to the press interview, reading over this um, arrest report. I mean, I, I cannot tell you, but they did do a great job in how they were able to put together and accumulate all this information. 300 warrants is just insane. And you look at the different nuances of the case, you know, getting subpoena records from JetBlue, the cell phones, following around and even getting the pizza crust. And I can honestly say if this is the, 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 the suspect, and it looks like it is from the information and data, I mean, they did a great job getting him off the street. You know, your, your thoughts and prayers just go out to this, these families because... It's just unreal, and it's so tragic. And whenever you're looking at this case, there's so much information about this case for so long. And it's been a dark cloud over Long Island. And the Stafford or the Stratford County really wanted to get in there and solve it. So at the end of the day, this is this case in a nutshell. My intention behind it was just to give you up to speed, get you the information you need to know so you can better understand what's going on. Please like and follow on Spotify. All support is helpful in this journey. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll get back to you tomorrow. This was a Master of None production. All editing, research, data points come from the Master of None. And I've been providing this for the last 365 days. Please check out other podcasts if you want to learn about amazing content from crickets all the way to lizard people. So thank you so much for listening and we'll get back to you tomorrow.